Okay, are you ready to run it? Run it. All right. Welcome back to the Made Me Watch podcast. Made me watch! With a little bit of a hiatus, work in real life got in the way, and we did Flinttown. Flinttown is our episode. We watched the whole series. It was a good series. It was a really good recommendation. Thank you, Juliet. So we watched all uh, eight episodes, and because it's different than normally just like one episode, we can just roll through it. But what overall, no spoilers, nothing particular. Why don't we introduce the episode first? Like what it's actually about. Oh, like the show? Yeah, because we're basically Flinttown is a documentary on Netflix that is about the Flint Police Department around the time of the Flint water crisis. They have a lot of issues. It was around the time of the election, the 2016 presidential election, because at the time, Flint's water crisis. Whoa, that was not English. Flint's water crisis was just starting. Basically, it was they switched streams, or they switched water sources, and when they switched them from Lake Erie to the Flint River system, it corroded the pipes and released a bunch of lead into the water. So they're they're poisoning their citizens' tap water and everyday use of their water. So it's kind of a an emergency situation, and they're passing out, out cases of water every day, uh, but it's, it's a problem. It's one of the most violent cities in America, um, yeah. and it has been for years right three decades yeah so there's there's a lot of things that needed to change in flint and the water crisis definitely didn't help michigan as a whole has kind of been hit really hard by the exit of the auto industry uh, flint was at one point called the vehicle city because i think gm had a plant there and what was that michael moore the yeah. filmmaker who got famous for making bowling for columbine right his first movie was made in 1989, and it was called Roger and Me, and it was all about GM being the last plant to leave and just decimating Flint. So, 1989, that's 29 years. years ago. Yeah. Oh, right. I mean, that's, that's, it's been a downward spiral. And it's, and it's just been getting worse and more dangerous and more violent. And then the water crisis a couple of years ago that started. And then, it, like I said, it really got public attention during the 2016 presidential election. But it's bad. They still don't have drinkable water. Right. And it's not getting better on that front. No. The U.S. isn't very good at responding to internal disasters. Right. We seem to do well, at least they tell us that we seem to do well with other nations' disasters. But when it comes to natural disasters that are caused by Mother Nature, not so much like flying planes in the buildings, but like hurricanes and earthquakes and and just everyday stuff that, that, you know, disasters that tend to happen. Our government's really good at responding right away and putting on a, a happy face like, hey, we're here to help. But then when it actually comes do- down to rebuilding and and where the actual help is needed at that point, they uh, they tend to bail. And Flint is no different. And I, th- I think it's been a, and I have a poor concept of time, but I think it's been a year since the hurricane hit Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. 
And they're still 60% without power. Yeah. Elon going over there, putting in putting in power batteries. But it, it takes a, a rich South African man to to help your own people and respond in a disaster. Things like getting getting kids back in school. Yeah. Like that. I mean, we can go on for days about this. This is a, it's a different subject. But um, Flint is victim to this issue. So the way this kind of all started out, it really started out with the focus on the police. You got to know a couple of the cops. You got to know the problems, that they're exhausted. It's been the unsafest city for three decades. Nobody really trusts the police. And I wrote down a few numbers because there was a couple things that really resonated with me. It took them 27 hours for police to respond to an assault and battery call. Yeah. There is... They went from 300 officers that they had to budget cuts to 98 officers to serve a hundred thousand people in the most dangerous city in the u.s yeah at any at any given time there's a maximum of seven cars on patrol for the entire city of flint that number of of total police please how many was it 98 total officers 98 yeah that also includes your investigators that also includes your dispatch that also includes your supervisors your that's, hr manager right that's not just boots on the ground that are that are out patrolling the neighborhood that's just hot bodies in seats doing things that need to be done to support those guys that are out on patrol. It works out to 1,020 people per officer on the force. Yeah. Isn't there that there's there's some law? I don't know. I can't remember it. You can only remember 150 people at any given time. Yeah. Because that, that after that point your mind just starts to forget it. They it's just it's it's just not enough people. And it's an issue because they they it's not so simple as okay, well let's go out and hire officers, right? No. Their their economy is is thrashed from from the water crisis and from from general distrust general in the police. Distrust. Which is not just a Flint thing, that's kind of a national thing. There was one clip and we're because we watched the whole series and binged it just not sure when things happened <laughs> but there was one clip where a woman was talking to her son and she was just like when you talk to police it's yes sir no ma'am there's no arguing don't think about your rights just agree with them and answer their questions and that's just i mean i was always kind of raised like that like if the police stop you, you cooperate. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it really isn't difficult to have a good interaction with a police officer. It's all in how you, how you approach them, right? Because at the end of the day, they're, they're just people like you and I that put on a different colored uniform than whatever you wear to work every day. So as long as you comply and you show them that you're not a threat to them, then they can relax. Right. Right? Because if you have, if one guy has to watch over 1,100 people, then, you know, there's going to be some bad apples in the bunch, but the guy doesn't know which one he's dealing with at any given time. Especially in such a high crime area. And that's not saying that, like, there's no such thing as bad cops, because there's bad people in every industry. It doesn't matter. But that's not saying that there's no good cops either. It works both ways. But I could totally see in some of the scenes, the guy got out and... They called him for an assault or someone running around with a gun. And he just, and it was a white cop, and he was just trying to ask a few questions. And the person he was talking to totally complied. He was answering his questions, was talking to him. 
And then there's like a dude half the block away that has nothing to do with it and just starts screaming, calling him a racist, calling him all those things. And it's just like, you know, you've got someone coming up from behind you, yelling at you, shouting at you, being aggressive. My guard would go up for sure. And in this one scene, the officer just kind of turned around and was like, hey, I'm assessing the situation. There's something you want to talk about? And tried to calm the guy down and totally did. But I can totally understand day in, day out, how you couldn't do that. Right. It's it's a lot to deal with. And it seems like they're a, they're a target for harassment. Absolutely. And the only difference that I'm seeing is that they it's more publicized what they do day to day. Right. Because someone always has their camera phone out. Right. It's not just about, like, this guy was running around with a gun and abuses his family and, right. and was shooting bullets up in the air. If I show up to a situation like that i'm gonna have to figure out what's going on you know in quick it's not just like hey let's talk about this figure it out it's i'm reacting to the situation until i can get enough troll to slow things down and then really get to what the issue is you know what i'm saying yeah no it's completely true so it's another like statistic that they showed was from 1980 to now the city of flint went from being upper middle class to being 80 percent under the poverty line. So that's a huge swing too. And they showed throughout the series that was just like, this whole street is abandoned. And at one point they talked to a citizen who was just like, I'm just waiting for the foreclosure to go through so I can get the fuck out of here. Right. And that's a hard way to live. It is, because you never know day to day what's going to happen. Yeah, and one of the female cops that they centered in, centered around because she was dating another cop on the force too, she was saying on her first four days on patrol, she got hit with her first homicide. So her fourth day of being on her own, she got called to a homicide. And in Flint, they don't really keep a, like a training officer on you long. You're pretty much riding by yourself real quick which is super dangerous anywhere but especially there but what if they don't they don't have the manpower they don't have the money they don't have the ability yeah without the money to pay the officers you don't you're not able to train the officers without training the officers you have incidents that happen that they're not able to defuse and when you have situations that they're not able to defuse you have an officer that's freaked out and then he's gonna he's gonna react in a way that promptly ends the situation and ultimately with flint being a predominantly black neighborhood right with a predominantly black police force too that's true too uh it's it's very easy to cast them in, in a shadow of racist cops running around like vigilantes. Right. Which ultimately, with the transition to the new police chief uh, and the new administration up in the mayor's office, uh, it proved to be the case. The guy was a cowboy. He started a special forces style. I'm not a fan of the new police chief. Um, He seemed, in my opinion, very shady. And just from, like, restructuring is a good idea to a certain point. And his whole thing was, I'm going to restructure, I'm going to restructure, I'm going to restructure. He was restructuring, but he was also trying to militarize. Right. He was, And that's another problem I have. That's, and actually, I wrote it down. But militarization of police is not a good idea. I 
took a very, very short stint getting my master's in criminology. And two of my classes talked about this procedure. And it's just a bad idea. It doesn't work. It's kind of, from what I read in that class, it's kind of the, this incident happens in the public perception. The public perception freaks out and says, we have to fix A, B, and C quick, 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 quick. And then people who have no idea about the study of criminology, like politicians, get involved. They come up with this half-assed thing, like, you know, the, what is it called? The child, like, pornography, or child pedophile website, Megan's Law or whatever. Uh-huh. That doesn't work for so many reasons. And that was put in place by politicians and part of the reason it doesn't work is you can go on and see anyone but they don't really tell you what happened in a lot of those have you been on megan's law i have yeah it tells you what happens not really it gives you it gives you the like lewd and lascivious acts with a child under the age of right x but age of 13 14 9 do you know what that can actually mean though What's that? So some of those lewd whatever, I can't say that word, acts with a child under the age of 14 simply means in the middle of the night you were drunk and you peed on a high school okay. or an elementary school. It's, it's real easy to accidentally end up on that list. And that's part of the problem. And the other problem is it creates a little bit of a tunnel vision. But I took a whole class on it. There's good and bad about everything. But that was something that was rushed into because of public perception. And this idea of militarization of the police is that same sort of, we'll fix this by doing this. But in a city where they don't have the money to fix their patrol cars so that cops aren't simply walking on the street to get to these calls, you don't need a fucking Hummer. Right. That's... that. That was my thing, is he, he started this thing called the Cat Squad, which was the crime against, or the, basically they're, they're like they're like the special forces of the police department that just hang out in the high crime areas. They, they carry, you know, they carry heavy firepower. So they, and basically the Cat Squad are, are the most experienced officers just running around busting people. And most of the time, all they're busting them for is weed. And it's yeah. nothing, it's nothing and guns. crazy. And guns. But they're not, the, the number of guns that they, that they take, like there's, there's a scene where he does a press conference after the first month that he started the cat squad and they got something like 120 firearms off the street, which, you know, kudos, but you have a hundred thousand people and there's more guns than people. So how are you, how are you making even a dent into, into that? And then the other thing, this guy, this guy killed this this police chief yeah i couldn't stand him they don't have money right so he's and so and there aren't any real reinforcements on the horizon until the last episode Uh, he he's trying to trying to get money to hire officers so he says or or buy police cruisers or whatever and so he goes and raids the gun depository oh i'm fucking furious of the guns that they confiscated from the people and decides he's going to have an auction and sell them back to the same community that at the highest bidder at the highest bidder which means the drug people exactly it was it's the most asinine policy that i that anybody could have come up with how how was like raw that's so frustrating 
Yeah, that infuriated me. And he was, like, so fucking proud of himself and had this shit-eating grin and was like, well, why would we melt them? Because people don't want to get shot with those weapons again. Well, most of the people that are card-carrying aren't the criminals. Really? Because you're selling that shit on the internet. Yeah, you have to have the oversight to make sure that everybody's registered to do so. And I'm sure that they that they did, but it's so easy to get a firearm in, in Michigan anyway. And that's what one of the girls was saying. That it doesn't make any sense to really do that thorough of a background check. One of the reporters, her name was Jessica. She went later on when they were doing the community volunteer yeah. police corps. I don't know. She went to them like at the shooting range and talked to them. And she was talking to one of the officers and was like, oh yeah, getting your CPL license and Michigan's a joke. Yeah. She was like, the dude sitting next to me barely could hold the gun and he passed. And I was just like, "Retro." <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's a joke. And that that major issue in the U.S. right now that's being debated is gun control. Uh, and I don't even like the term gun control. I'm not really trying to get into the whole politics of the situation. I think it casts a negative negative light on what is actually trying to be accomplished with gun control. Um, and basically, you should pass a background check and a, and a mental health check. And that's it. I just, I've been saying this for a long time. I think the biggest problem with gun the gun control debate is the branding. Because when you get into the nitty gritty of what people, most people want of background check and mental health check, which would go into the background check, most people are like, oh yeah. And then, you know, regulations across the board so that you can't drive to New Mexico, buy a bunch of guns and drive them back to California. Right. Most people are totally on board with that. But the fact that it's called gun control, they think that means we're going to come knock on your door and take all your shit. At the same time, though, there's I was, was having a conversation the other day with somebody that said that, that, said that we should ban all semi-automatic weapons. If it's a semi-automatic weapon, it shouldn't be on the street. And I asked him straight up, I go, does that mean that you, you want to ban handguns? Well, no, 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 just, just semi-automatic weapons. Right, but a semi-automatic weapon is a handgun. handgun. Yes, so it's a lack of it's a lack of education education on, on both what, sides on both sides on what the actual issue is. Yeah. So if if you put if you put some more resources into education on what what isn't isn't a gun or an automatic or a semi-automatic right. or which gun is what, how to use them, gun safety, that then you're going to have, people are going to become more comfortable with them. Well, that's just the thing in general, and this was mentioned a couple times in this show. You stop violent cities from being violent by upping education. You don't stop violent cities by being violent by creating a military police militia. Right. You educate that town right and they have really low education rates because you know what at 16 they gotta get a job and help their family they can't afford to go to a school anymore and that's the problem it's always education if you're educated you are more likely to go further you're more likely to do different things but if you're not you can't escape what you know yeah it's it's frustrating And, and that's part of the thing too they show that quite a bit with the cops talking to convicts and or sorry potential convicts in their car or alleged convicts huh alleged alleged there we go um and talking to just citizens was the cops are genuinely like this is my town too a lot of them lived in flint 
Yeah. Which is rare. Most of the time, cops don't live in the city where they patrol. No. And I think that's also part of the issue. Yeah. Is if you're not if if you don't if you're not a part of the community that you're policing, then you're just you're just a guy. You're just a hall monitor being brought in from another high school. Right. You know what I'm saying. But they do live in the community. Most of them. I know. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that. that or grew up there at nationally, least. Nationally, nationally, that is not. Yeah, that is an issue. That that isn't the case. It's a it was an interesting documentary, an interesting interesting topic in an interesting city. I I was torn because be, in the beginning I was like I was like wow like officers are really trying they really do right you know they they really are trying to do to but do the, the best job that they can. But the squad just ruined that. But they but throughout the documentary and I don't know if this is editing on Netflix's part or if Could it be. was if you know because. Netflix as a whole tends to put out biased documentaries on one side or another. Right. Well, I mean, most things made are biased one way or another. Right. But it's, you know, what it, it seems to be more so with Netflix and their their movies, both documentaries and and original series and right. things. But unless they're sci-fi. Sure. They but they I think that oh, that's right. When I started I was I was really like behind him, and I was like, well, you know, they need help. Yeah, right? just clearly they still need help. But as the as it progressed, you watch how their behavior deteriorated, and you watch the consequences of the of the policies that were enacted in the original or at the beginning of the documentary, and you're it just you just you're just like, why is how like. How did you ever think that this could be effective? Because it sounded good in theory, but then once they put it into practice, it became just a clusterfuck of, of issues. Yeah, the Cat Squad was by far a huge problem. The only good thing about them was the occasional cat joke that they made about themselves, because that yeah. was pretty funny. Yeah, them, them seeing a cat, their Cat Squad theme song on the way to a drug bust was pretty tacky. Yeah, but they kept making cat jokes. I liked it. But yeah, th- that whole... Like I said, the militarization of the police does not work. And so you knew that wasn't going to work. It was going to be a temporary stopgap until criminals got smarter. But I also, one of the things that stuck with me that I like, I didn't like the police chief from Get when he was introduced. But The new one or the old one? The n- new one. Okay. The old one was only there for like a half an episode, so it was hard to gauge him. Right. It's just, he was talking to the new recruits where there was like, six new potential Flint recruits that had just graduated the academy and he was like welcome to your new job in one of the most dangerous cities oh did you know we have the highest divorce rate yeah you might want to say goodbye to your loved one because they probably won't stick around anyway good luck stay alive welcome welcome to Flint and that was his pep talk it was just like really these people like just graduated they're excited don't do that bullshit to them. Yeah, he's not. He, I don't think he's a good leader. I think that he's he's a cop that spent his entire career, you know, doing what what he was doing on patrol and you know moving Being up shady. the ranks. And he he didn't he he didn't he he was he's one of those guys that that worked for a company that's just an employee of the company that says right. I would do this and this and this and this if I were in charge. And then he comes in charge. And he does this and this, and it's not what he thought it was. He's also somebody who was like, they, they mentioned it a couple of times, he was really secretive. And I feel like when you're a police chief, you don't really get to do that. I yeah. mean, the other thing was, as he kept talking about how 
they need a bigger budget, they need more money, and he's going to do this and fix this car, get an officer's raise. I got really irritated and I googled how much he makes because it's public information. And guess how much he makes? How much? 100K plus bonuses. Your cops in the most dangerous city in America make $15 an hour and have their paychecks put on hold because Flint was out of money. How in good conscience can you clear $100,000? Yeah. How, like, how dare you? And so when he was talking about the budget that was not getting passed and how it's impacting his and making it so he can't protect his people, no, it was putting a freeze on his raise for getting crime down. Yeah, he's a... Piece of shit. He's a piece of work, for sure. I think... I I don't know what else to say. He's... It's it's typical... You can't can't rely on your government. I don't... At least ours. In what? At least ours. You can't rely on them to think that's that takeaway to support and provide for you uh like they it, it would take them it would take them two days to respond to a call there was a stabbing call that this girl went on and mind you they patrol by themselves so it's not like they have a partner like you see on nypd blue or whatever or in in a normal people or in a normal situation town. right so she's if they get on shift they immediately have 50 calls that they have to respond to and it sometimes it takes them to based on the crimes that are going on that day. It's it took her two days to show up to this guy's house that he had been that had been stabbed. Two days for an officer to get there. Why even call the police? And that's their point in the show, right? They don't. They showed another one where a woman was outside with her kids and somebody pulled up in a car. And started shooting at a bunch of 12-year-olds. And they had all seven or eight, I think, calls she made to 911. And it took them two hours to get there. And one of the last times she's called, they're like, the uh, 911 operator was saying that they're searching the area. And the woman's response was, I know where he lives. If they come talk to me... I can point to his house. Right. But there... And then the the 911 operator was like, Ma'am, there's four shootings in the past hour. Yeah. Yikes. It's It's pretty gnarly. When when you don't have work and there aren't... There aren't resources in place to support you. That's, that's the type of lifestyle that you lead. I did love... There was one scene where they were doing a traffic stop. And they ran the guy's number. And the cop just kind of like put his head down and was like oh you've got to be kidding me and walked up to the car and was like sir i have an arrest warrant for you i need you to step out of the car and the guy's like for what and the cop was just like please step out of the car and the guy did and he goes i have to arrest you for fishing in a non-fishing area yeah yeah, that, that's it's, that's pretty stupid. I also like all the 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 situation around the party store, which is what they call liquor stores in Michigan. Yeah, with shutting it down and basically the cat squad hanging out out there. And I liked one of the cops like looked at one of the guys standing outside and was like, "Y'all ain't buying shit. Get walking." Yeah, I'm like. Yup. <laughs> I mean, it. Yeah, I thought it was funny that those. I don't know. That's that's just a different culture entirely. Yeah. Hanging out at the at the liquor store on the corner. 
Yeah. So towards the end of the series, I kind of broke it up into compelling stories and not compelling stories. Yeah. So what I found compelling was the mom and son recruit that joined the Flint police at the same time went through training together and everything. I thought that was really interesting. Did you think that was interesting or no? I thought it was interesting. I think that if that was, if they spent more time on that, it would have been a better show. Better show. Um, especially on the mom because she was, yeah. it was more like, I get it. Your son grew up. He wanted to be, a, wanted to be a police officer his whole life. And people stopped talking to him because he wanted to be a police officer, which is fine. But they, but I thought it was more interesting that here's this woman that is in her forties, early fifties. And 50s, is a grandma now. And is a grandma now that is that's a that's a brand new police officer yeah i thought that was really really interesting too i I, one of the other stories or one of the other things that i found compelling about it was the whole police recruit the the volunteer volunteer was really interesting the volunteer recruits were cool Uh, especially that lewis guy from gm he was he was hilarious i like that guy when we used to fight we used to sing (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was he was cool i thought that was a good idea and if they did something like that here in LA, I would I would support it. They do, but they do it by city. Okay, it's the well, citizen police. Again, brand yourself a little bit better, police department. And maybe we, people would know what you, what you got going on. Citizen police are at least in where we live. They are the ones that ticket your car. Yeah, they. they they're parking police. They're Those are citizen pushers. patrol. Yep. The other things I found compelling were the two cops that were dating. I thought that was compelling. Yeah. Just their whole arc, and then then they're when they're both worried about getting fired because the millage, which is like a tax that they were trying to pass. I found the interaction of the cops and the firefighters on Devil's Night, which is a huge thing on the East Coast of Michigan, which yeah. is not that huge out here. I thought that was really interesting when they were both worried about the millage passing and right. losing their jobs and not being able to do what they barely can do now, and then just the like. I kind of, you're right that it was skewed, in, or not skewed, but biased in what the documentarians that made this docuseries believed. But I did like the conversations that they were having with the alleged criminals and the cops were having with each other about, like, good, good police, bad police, lazy police, racist police, and the whole interaction and how... That the racist, lazy cops and the people who are anti-police are two parts of the same problem. Right. And um, it was also interesting how they kept cutting in stories of all the anti-police violence that was happening at the time that this was being made. I thought all that was really compelling. I kind of wish they spent a little bit more time to on talking to the only female on the cat squad. I feel like she's got a lot of really interesting stories. Yeah, she probably did. And they just they used her a little bit. It was also interesting how all the men on the cat squad like when she was getting verbally attacked and whatever, they pretty much were just like, "Eh, she can handle it." <laughs> yeah, she definitely seems like a tough chick. She's definitely the one on the group that nobody wanted to fuck with at all. Yeah. Um, the mayor and the police chief, I wish they spent less time on. Yeah, the mayor, I I thought that the mayor was kind of irrelevant in the whole storyline. I just hated the fact that Ultimately, she she didn't make the decision. No. So what, what, why is she one of the main focal points of the story? Because she was supposed to fix everything. And if you're involved in city politics at all, you know that's not how the mayorship works. Yeah, mayor, 
the people that actually get things done are the city council members. Right. It, the mayor just signs on the dotted line, which is also, you know, the, that's on a microcosm level that that is how it works in local government. But that's also how that works at our national government. Um, so if you, you know, the president is sitting up there, you know, yang or nang votes or in signing things into office, but it's really the Senate and the House right. that are making the decisions and shape the the policies of our country. So I, with our current political climate here in the United States, I encourage people to pay more attention to your congressmen's and your senators than the uh, the guy that we have up at the top. Pay more attention on your city level too. I think that's one thing that Flint kind of went over was it went from being a heavily upper middle class area to way below poverty yeah. really quickly. And part of that is people in your own city not paying attention to your city. And it's just, I think overall, it's important to be involved in some way or another. One thing that I comment about the current political climate is whether you're a supporter or a non-supporter or, a, you know, just bury your head in the sand and ignore everything. The one thing everybody can say is that we're all getting more educated. You know, there's positions that I've always known in the federal government exist, but I could never name who was in that position. Yeah. And I never knew anything about them because it was just not talked about. That's not the case for this administration. So we are learning things, things that we should be paying attention to regardless of who's at the top. Yeah, do do research into into the issues that, that are being talked about. Knowing the difference between a fully automatic and a semi-automatic weapon. Or knowing the difference between systemic racism and personal racism. And... It's understanding what what the actual issue is and forming an opinion of your own. Right. It it the, what bothers me the most and gets me the most fired up and angry is when somebody takes takes the opinion of the opinion that was handed to them by the media just just based on that's what they heard. Um, do your research. It doesn't take long. We're smart people. Even if we're not smart, we, we're still smart enough to understand right from wrong. And just, I right think an important thing to difficult. remember all fronts is there's always. You know, they always say there's three sides to every story, right? Yours, mine, and, and truth. It's the same with politics. It's the same with police. It's the same with criminals and alleged criminals. There's more to that story than just what's on face value. And I think it's really important to learn, if not for your own personal Knowledge. curiosity than anything. One other thing about this show that drove me absolutely nuts, and I would love to, like, figure out how to ask the documentarian why was the fireworks why were they always cutting in fireworks scenes yeah that didn't make it was any sense so either. unnecessary drove me nuts yeah it didn't make any sense that was just a weird little thing that killed my soul through the whole thing yeah otherwise i would totally recommend watching this this documentary now if there's a season two, would you watch i would check it out if it's more of if it is more of the same and the same same personalities up at the top that are that are making the decisions. Uh, then I I wouldn't watch it. But I would love season two to be about Flint firemen and season three to be about Flint ambulance personnel. That's a really good idea. Because, and and they still work with the cops, so you can kind of do like a little like there's like crossovers. Catch up. And yeah, things. yeah. That's basically that's true. take Chicago Fire PD and Med 
and make it about Flint. <laughs> right. That, that's a good idea because they're all dealing with similar issues, just different perspectives and different approaches to, to handling the issue. Right. And they had one scene where there was an arson and um, the lady was crying, crying. She lost her whole house. She lost her whole house. She lost everything. And the cop gave her a hug and was just like, but you're still here. Your baby's still here. You're fine. This sucks, but we'll find people to help you. And I wish it had a little bit more of that, too. Yeah. Instead of the constant us versus them. Because that's the moral of it all. Was that if you look at it from us versus them on any side of the coin, you're not progressing. Yeah. The the us versus them mentality. Doesn't work. And that's what the police chief has. One world, one love, one race, one species. Are we going to talk about the worst part of the show? Yeah. Fuck cops that shoot dogs that are barking at them. What dog doesn't bark at you when you walk into the house? When you break a door down. Into or the when, house. yeah, especially when you kick the door down. Like that was that was bullshit. And ultimately, for issues that that mattered to me personally, mm-hmm. that's that is where they lost me the hardest. Is you walk into a place, you're busting down a search warrant, you're you're, and then you shoot the fucking dog. No, two of them. Now. Leah and I are, we, we have a pit bull. Proud pity owners. Proud pity owners. And he's one of the best dogs I've ever had. One of the most loving dogs that I ever had. And one of the smartest dogs that I've ever had. And it it bothers me to no end that, that they're demonized and thought of the way that yeah. they're thought of. I, Leah and I were sitting there talking about it because we, she was in the room when that, that scene happened. And I really, I really got angry. And if, if something happened at my house, I wouldn't call the police because of that. I would, I would go to the police and then con- control the situation that way. Well, I'd take the dog out of the home. I'd take Stanley up to my mom's or something while you call the police just so he's not here. Now, he will never, never, never attack somebody. He's not that kind of dog. I always tell people he's aggressive with two things, cuddles and kisses. And that's and pretty aggressive <laughs> with those cuddles and kisses, let me tell you. He, he actually kicked my mom off the bed because he wanted to cuddle her so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Happens all the time. But other than that, he's a love bug. And that is a definite fear of ours. And we live in a little bit of a fear. And yes, we're privileged to have this fear, not a fear of getting shot, walked down the street. Right. But we live in a little bit of a fear of with the climate around these dogs that it's going to turn into a bsl state a breed specific legislation state and we'll have to leave because we've had that conversation too and we'll leave yeah it's you see what's going on in toronto with it all easily bail on california and take my tax dollars elsewhere the toronto thing that's going on right now is really disturbing they just passed it and they're knocking on people's doors and taking dogs out of homes not a fan but kind of went into a little bit of a our personal beliefs on all dogs are good dogs. There's just bad owners. Yeah. So fuck you, Flint PD, for shooting the dogs. That was totally unnecessary, especially considering that one of your own officers talked about their experience with this particular person, this particular human that you guys were going after, right. and was saying, "That's a shame. We you've never given us problem. All the times that we've had we've had to deal with you, you've been respectful. Fuck you. Fuck." I- you. I also hated every minute of the asshole that they arrested because he didn't care. Which one? The guy that they put in the back of the car. 
Yeah, he, he really, he was like, man, that's a shame that it had to happen to him like that. And he's like, man, it's a shame you finally caught me. I've been running underground for so long and y'all finally got me. I would be inconsolable if something happened to that nugget. Like, just beyonds. And this dude couldn't give a shit. Yeah. So he, he, he deserves to be put down too. <laughs> Whatever. At the end of the day, fuck Flip PD. Stop it. <laughs> and Fuck the asshole that shot the dogs. One cop, not the whole city. Sure. Because the rest of the cops had puppies. And actually, in the beginning of the show, they got a brand new police dog because they convinced some company to sponsor a police dog. Yeah. That was cute. <laughs> it was cute. But once again, fuck you, Flint PD. And any PD that shoots, shoots dogs. Yeah. Leave our puppies alone. Not gonna lie, I got upset a few other times when humans were injured, too. But... That. Humans were injured? Mm-hmm. I don't think that... I, I didn't have an issue with humans getting injured. I did. I didn't like it. My kid sitting outside on his front porch getting shot for no reason. The, the, oh, you're talking about the teenage kid? Mm-hmm. Well, I have, I think there's more to that story than... It very well could be, but... Was brought, was brought up in the documentary. Still sucks. It does suck. It definitely sucks. But hopefully Flint gets safer. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm on for a season two. If only to see when uh the mayor and the police chief go to jail for embezzling funds, because we all know that's going to fucking happen. Yeah, that's, that's just a matter of time. And I think that since this documentary has aired and was, was filmed, not sure, I'm looking it up as we speak, but I think the that police chief has since been fired. Good. So while you're looking that up, what do you want to do next? We can delve into the wonderful land of DC Comics and review the first two episodes of Krypton before Superman and the planet exploded. Get into the history of the Houses of L. Whatever. Krypton probably. Possibly not. Could change. He finds ways out of some of the TV I really want to make him watch. Did you find out if he got fired? Police department. Nope, still the same guy. Yeah, I didn't think he got fired. He's got something on that mayor, because when he got appointed, like, half the city council was like, fuck this guy. Right. All right, guys. Well, that has been Made Me Watch. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure to follow us on all the social media. Twitter, Made Me Watch Pod. Instagram, Made Me Watch. Email, Made Me Watch This at gmail.com. And our Facebook page is Made Me Watch. Been real. Been fun. And it's been real fun. Okay, bye bye